Could you entrust the hope of the world to a teenage girl? I mean, think about that. My daughter just turned 14 this past year. I think I've been reading the story of Mary with fresh eyes. I've been marveling at it, marveling at the vulnerability of God. I imagine saying goodnight to my daughter and her going upstairs to bed and this angel coming and telling her all of what would happen. And it just takes me back to Mary and, and it leaves me astounded that God would use and entrust himself and his purposes, the incarnation to this little girl in this little town. It's extraordinary. And God continues to use these unlikely people to accomplish his purposes in the world, namely you and me. And I marvel at that idea too, that God for whatever reason has decided to accomplish his purposes in the world through collaborative effort with people. Blaise Pascal, the great theologian and mathematician, which is just a really cool combination of a human, uh, he said that it's, it's because God gives us the dignity of causality, that he bestows worth and dignity upon his people as he allows us to participate with him in his work. And I'm sure that happens. But when I, the, the not theologian and not mathematician, think about it, I come up with, this is a really strange plan. Like, have you seen social media, God? Like, you know, have you looked around? Have you read the news? You're going with us? We love cats. This is the only service I'm going to tell this to, but there are 1.3 million people that follow a cat on Instagram. And, and that just leaves me going, I don't know that we're the best people to accomplish this mission in the world. I mean, think about it. If God came to you and said, hey, came to us and said, hey, I need some advice. Looking for a little advice. Now, I've checked and so have you uh, that that position is not in the Bible. Uh, God does not need our advice, though we've, we've at times wanted to give it, right? You know, <laughs> hey, I've got, I've got something to point out. But if God did, let's say we started God Consultancy Company, right? And God comes to us. No, no, no. God calls us, right? If God comes to us, we die. It's a very short-lived company, right? Because we can't be in the presence of God. So God calls us and says, all right, deal. Give me some advice. And we would, like good consultants, we would say, all right, well, first, you know, tell us your strategy. Give us a sense of, you know, what are your goals here? Like, what are you trying to accomplish in the world? And I would say, oh, man, trying to reconcile all things to myself, making all things new, that the whole earth would be filled with the knowledge of my glory. Nice. All right. You know, you're the BHAG, big, hairy, audacious goal. You got that? That's good. You know, nice work. Okay. As a consultant then, what, what are some of the things that you've done that, that, that have worked well in the past? Like, let's get a sense of what's in your toolkit. And, and we would hear God tell us, well, miracles. I mean, I think, all right. We got miracles at our disposal? Like, I'm going to look like a really good consultant at this point. Like, I'm going to put together a plan that's going to work. So like you can modify cells, like you can raise the dead, you can make the lame walk, you can make the blind see, you can part the waters that people could walk through it, right? That miracles? Yeah, 
All right. I mean, that's probably enough. Give me that tool and I think we can get this done. But, you know, is there anything else? Yeah, signs and wonders. Signs and wonders, right. Yeah, absolutely. You can stop the sun above the earth. Yeah, I got that. That's awesome. This pillar of cloud, a pillar of fire and this cloud, right? Oh, and the plagues, right? So if we don't do it, then you can send frogs. And I don't like frogs. So we got the carrot and the stick component here. So we got miracles and signs and wonders. So like, anything else, God? I mean, you got anything else in the toolbox? At this point, God kind of raises up the mic. Omnipotence. Dropped, right? Like, well, he's all powerful. I'm all powerful. And I'd be sitting here thinking in this consultancy call at this point, what I'm sure you're thinking, like we've got this figured out, right? You're thinking, I know. This is easy. Put a healing clinic next to every Starbucks. (laughs) Take the stars in the sky and form them into something that says Jesus saves in every language. And then make us, with your omnipotence, look up. Right? Done and done. We got it. Then we can go on about Christmas with all things new. The whole earth reconciled. Everyone aware of the knowledge of the glory of God. And call it a day. You're welcome, God. And God would say, ah, but I got this omniscience thing too. You know, I'm kind of full of all wisdom also. And I think I'm going to stick with my plan. And that plan is, I'm going to work through my people. You see, God spoke the earth into being, spinning moons and galaxies, separating the waters from the deep, forming the creatures of the earth. And then he creates us and he gives us a job. I want you to care for it. I want you to keep it. I don't think God got out of control there and like, whoops, that one got away from me. You know, I'm not sure I'm going to keep up with that now. Could you guys, you guys will do. You know, it's not a delegation strategy. It's a participation strategy. And then, of course, we do what we do. We choose ourselves over God. Sin enters the world. And, and in the midst of that sin, God starts a process of reconciliation. And who does he turn to but this old guy in this little town? calls him out of there, gives him a new name, takes him from Abram to Abraham and says, through you, through your descendants, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And all the prophets, all the scriptures, everything points forward from that point until this moment when God will take on flesh, when he will step into the world. And he decides to do that through a baby girl. I mean, it's amazing. Look at this with me. Look at Luke 1, 26 to 33. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. As a side note, this is free of charge um, and doesn't have a whole lot to do, but this exchange makes me laugh a whole lot. Have your kids ever walked in and and said, Dad, you look handsome. You know, Mom, you're looking lovely today. And rather than be like, thanks, you're like, um, what's going on here? You know, what's what's happening? And in essence, the Mary angel exchange is just that, right? The angel walks in, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. 
she's perplexed at this statement, kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. And the angel said, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. I mean, this moment of incarnation that all of history had pointed, or all of uh, uh, the stories pointed to, and all of our history points back to, and God says, fly, Gabriel, let's go, let's do this. And the God who can ex nihilo speak people into being, he could have just supermaned in, dropped in here as a God-man and ripped and roared, but instead he says, go, Gabriel, to that virgin, that little girl in that village. It's extraordinary that God would use us and use Mary to participate in the bringing of his purposes to bear in this world. It's an extraordinary idea, extraordinary truth. And I don't know how that makes you feel, because there is a realization that hits you, that hits me, that, well, if God is consistent, and He is, then His plan, and part of His plan to bring His purposes to your life, Part of his plan to reconcile your life, part of his plan for your marriage, part of his plan for your job and your neighborhood, part of his plan for this church and this city is actually a collaborative effort with you and me, which causes me to go, I think you've not factored everything in here, God. I mean, I get this plan. I love the plan. I love what you're doing. I'm all for it. And I know that there are some people I think would be good for that, but me, I'm not so sure. I think maybe you've forgotten something. Mary does a similar thing. Look at how Mary responds to this news, to this angel. Verse 34, Mary said, how can this be since I am a virgin? Mary's first response, now she's full of faith here. You know, uh, Zachariah earlier um, was not full of faith, and the angel just, you know, (laughs) get your bad attitude, I'm doing it anyway, zip it, and uh, he can't speak. But Mary, the angel responds favorably to, she's full of faith. And yet, she's still trying to figure out, she's asking a technical question here, but she's asking more than a technical question. God, have you factored in who I am? Because I don't think I'm equipped for this. I mean, I think when I tell you that, that God is going to accomplish His purposes in this world through you, your first response, if you're like me, is to say, yeah, but I'm just an accountant. Nothing against accountants. I mean, you guys are awesome. But, you know, or I'm just running my business over here. Like, I don't have time for that. Or I'm just, I just, I'm just looking for a job. Like, I, I... I'm just trying to scrape it together. I don't know how I'm going to work out these purposes with you. If we push a little deeper, we'll begin to see, but God, I'm just a sinner. God, clearly you are mistaken because you don't know what I've done. Obviously, if you did, you would not include me as part of this plan. And the angel says back to Mary three statements. 
that he says to us, he says to you and me, in the midst of our inadequacy, in the midst of our fear of, God, I'm not sure you've got the right person here, the angel makes three statements, and I want to talk about those with you. First statement in verse 35, the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy child shall be called the Son of God. First thing that the angel points out to Mary is, yeah, but God is going to do the work here. I understand your uh, sense of not being qualified, but you know your qualifications aren't the issue. The issue is who God is and what God is accomplishing. When I was in middle school, my sister was dating uh, a, a guy that was on the University of Kentucky football coaching staff. And I think he wanted to impress her. And, and so by being nice to her little brother, um, I'm not sure if it worked or not, but, but he came and, and said, um, hey, Chad, would you like to work out in the University of Kentucky basketball training facility? Now listen, I grew up in Lexington, Kentucky. In Lexington, Kentucky, every middle school boy wants to play for the University of Kentucky basketball team. They are like the Orlando Magic and Disney, like combined. I mean, there is, it's like a religion. I mean, it's, it's the thing. There is a hoop in every driveway. And all of my friends were wanting to, to play for that, for the, for UK. And, and he came to me, I mean, true story, he came to me and said, would you like to work out in this facility? And I'm like, uh, yeah, you know, and I'm, that's true. I was in puberty and uh, I sounded a little something like that. I mean, I was little, I was about five feet tall. Uh, I made up for it later, but I was one little guy. And so I was like, well, I mean, of course. And he said, yeah, okay, well, the, the strength coach, Rock Oliver, which, by the way, if you're a strength coach, just change your name to Rock because it's fantastic. Right? He's like, Rock will train you. He said, and he's got a couple other guys he's working with every Tuesday uh, and Thursday at four o'clock. And so just, just show up and, and he'll take care of you. I'm like, okay. And so I show up, my dad drops me off and I go walking in and I can't believe I'm like in there that they let me in the building. And Rock comes out and he gets me and he takes me back and we round the corner. It's not just some guys that are these training at the same time. It's University of Kentucky basketball players. And not just any basketball players, one of them is Jamal Mashburn. Now, for those of you that don't know, Jamal Mashburn was our All-American. He was from New York. He was six foot eight. He would go on to have this really long career in the NBA. I mean, he was phenomenal. And I round the corner and I'm like, it's Jamal Mashburn. Like, holy moly. And I spend the summer Lifting weights with Jamal Mashburn in the University of Kentucky facility. Lifting weights might be a stretch. We figured out partway through that I could not lift the bar. A true story, I, it's pinned on me. I'm like, hey, Jamal, you know, can you get the bar? <laughs> and Jamal that summer lifts 400 pounds. I read the news article. They wrote a news article about it. I was like, I know I was there. I watched him do it. And I think my friends didn't even believe me. And so one fall day, we were at a University of Kentucky football game, and what I did at the football games was walk around the outside of the, um, you know, concourse. Uh, sorry, I don't know what stadium stuff is called, but I walked around the outside, mostly just hanging out with my friends and looking for girls. And so um, that's what we were, we were doing. And then off to down the, down the way, uh, I saw a big crowd gathered around Jamal Mashburn. 
And I had my friends with me who I don't think believe me. And so I just was like, guys, come on. And so we were walking over there and I did all of my, you know, middle school toughness swagger that I could put together and kind of strolled over and I was like, Jamal, what's up? <laughs> and my friends are like, oh my gosh, you know. And Jamal goes, hey Chad, what's up? <laughs> I was like, oh, punks, I told you, like I did it. You know? And I won't ever forget because there are these kids that are there trying to get their autograph and they spawn around and they go, who's that? Nobody. Nobody. A five foot pipsqueak that just happened to know the right person. Our authority for participating in God's work doesn't come from our qualifications. It comes from who we know. It comes from God. It's God that's going to do the work in us. Think about it. What was Mary's, you know, point, pointing out? What was the inadequacy that she pointed out? I'm a virgin. There's no virgin birth without the virgin. You realize God's plan accounts for your perceived inadequacies. That's part of how he's going to work in this world. One of the extraordinary uh, joys that I have is getting to work with distributed church leaders. And, and there's this really common refrain I hear from them. These are folks that are forming the personal church just in their context. And, and they sit down and, and folks come in and, and we sit down with them and they're like, gosh, I don't know. I mean, I hear Pastor Joel talking about this and I love it. It sounds awesome. But how? Like, how do I do that? And so we begin to brainstorm, we talk, and, and I've just got story after story, which I won't go on and on and on with, of people that just decided, well, I'm going to start this little Bible study at, at lunch in my office, or I'm going to get this group of friends together for, over dinner, you know, in my home, or I've got this other group of friends and we do this thing, and I'm going to begin to be more intentional about telling them about who Jesus is. I'm going to try and we'll just see what happens. And they come back after we brainstorm a little bit and they go off and they come back and there's this really common refrain I hear. It's been so amazing to see what God has done. What God has done. I hear that. I was just talking to Ruby and uh, Connie and Anita who lead the Hispanic distributed church here. And that's what they kept saying over and over. We started as this little Bible study and it grew and then we're over here and we wanted to get together more and it's been so amazing to see not what we have done. Wow, aren't we awesome starting our Bible study. It's been so amazing to see what God has done. As you begin to participate with God and His purposes, it's God who does the work. And not only that, but look at what the angel says. It goes on to say in verse 36, and behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. Here's what I want you to hear. Not only is God going to do the work in and through you, but God's already been at work ahead of you. And part of what he's doing to accomplish his purposes is he's connecting you to someone else. My wife teaches at the Geneva School. A lot of bright people over there. Martin over here hanging out at the Geneva School. He's a student and uh, there. But the, the, one of these 10th uh, grade students came up to, to another teacher and was, was asking um, for a theology book. She said, yeah, I'm trying to grow in my understanding of who God is. Do you have a, a book of theology that you could recommend? And this teacher was like, gosh, I don't, you know, I don't know. Let me talk to some other teachers and, and, and I'll get back to you. 
And so the teachers got together and they were, you know, standing out there talking and, and they were trying to brainstorm and they were kind of tossing out some different ideas and, and they were saying, well, gosh, if we, if we recommend a book that's too geared toward children, she's going to be like, Tch. like, thanks guys, this is what you think of my intelligence, you know, like I'm looking for some meat here, you know. And they were like, but, you know, if we give her something that's too you know, challenging, then she's going to be like, whoa, you know, God seems complicated. I, you know, I don't know what this, and so they were like, gosh, what do we do? And a teacher about in that moment, my wife said, spoke up and said, you know, I wonder if there's actually something more that's happening here. I wonder if this is actually an invitation. And another teacher chimed in at that point and said, yeah, I think what she needs is a person, not a book. God knew that about Mary. He could have left some tablets in a bush out back, right? He could have said, okay, Mary, here's the deal. Don't worry. God's going to do the work. The Holy Spirit's going to, you know, <laughs> show up in your life and you're going to do this extraordinary thing. And there's some tablets out back. Like just read those. They've got instructions. In the future, you can Google it, but it's not invented yet. So like, you know, let's, no, God knew that what Mary needed was somebody to encourage her to walk with her, somebody that was even ahead of her. You realize six months before God ever sends the angel to talk to Mary, he's already been at work in Elizabeth's life. We need those people and we need to be those people for others. It's not just that God is going to do the work in and through you. He's been doing the work ahead of you. And a large part of what he's doing is connecting you to other people in whom he is also working. That's the church. This is a foreshadowing of the church. In fact, God knew that. That's why the word became flesh and dwelt among us. God's strategy is and always will be incarnation, presence with us through you, through me. And then the angel makes one more statement to Mary. This extraordinary statement, verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. Now this is not the angel saying to Mary, if you can dream it, you can do it. Nothing is impossible with God. I mean, sometimes I see this verse and it's, you know, we're talking about it that way. Just whatever your wildest dreams, whatever you can hope for, nothing is impossible with God. You can do it. No, this is God saying, actually, something beyond what you could hope for, something beyond your imagination. This is bigger even than your uh, own vision for your best life. This is participating in the mission of what I'm doing to reconcile the whole world. And I'm going to use you, and I know that you're insecure about it, but remember, nothing is impossible with God. When I was talking about our own insecurities, I don't know what came into your mind, but we come from a long line of people that God has used with insecurities with inadequacies, who have messed up. Abraham, who I already mentioned, well, he was old. Joseph, he was abused. Job went bankrupt. Elijah was depressed and even suicidal. Moses had a speech problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Noah was a drunk. Jeremiah was really young. Jacob was a cheater. David was an adulterer and a murderer. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Peter, he denied Christ three times. Martha worried about everything. 
Zacchaeus was a bit money hungry. The disciples fell asleep while praying. Ever happened to you? The Samaritan woman, she was divorced multiple times. And Paul, he was a Pharisee who killed Christians before becoming one. That's who God uses to accomplish His purposes. The angel was reminding Mary, in essence, of that, saying, hey, nothing is impossible with God. Which leaves us with a bit of a, a question. Christmas kind of presents a question. This verse in particular presents a question. That question is, do you believe the angel? Do you believe that what this angel came to proclaim actually happened? Do you believe that there is a life-giving, redemptive force at work in this world that you can join? Or do you believe, ah, it's a good story, but I think we're on our own. If we're on our own, then yeah, take care of your own stuff, look out for yourself, make the best of it. But if there is a life-giving force at work in the world, that means there's more to the story than just your life. And the question is, do you believe the angel? Mary did. Verse 38, she says, and Mary said, behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. She almost immediately gets up and goes to see Elizabeth. It's a hundred mile journey. And the Bible doesn't tell us really specifically uh, when this Holy Spirit, God overshadowing moment happens, but we know it happens. And Mary becomes pregnant. But I think there's another word for pregnant that actually is more to the point of what's happening here. Mary was expecting. Mary was expecting God to work. Mary was expecting that what the angel said was going to happen. And the question is, what are you expecting? Are you expecting God to be at work? Do you believe the angel? Are you expecting that, no, this is just the way it is? No, and I'm just going to look out for me and mine. I'm going to take care of what I got to take care of. I don't know what your situation is right now. What I do know is that God has providentially placed you in that context for you to bring the incarnation. And the question is, are you expecting God to work through you? Are you expecting that God has been ahead and is going to connect you with other people to help you accomplish those purposes? And are you expecting that nothing is impossible with God. This Advent season, as we prepare our hearts for Christ's coming, and as we go out of here, that's the question. What are you expecting? Pray with me. God, your Goodness is more than we can bear. It doesn't make sense that you would be that good to us. That you would come, put on flesh and dwell among us. 
We know the rest of the story that you would die for us, taking our sins that you would rise again for us. But not only that you would do that, that we might be with you forever in eternity, but that you would use us even now to accomplish your purposes. God, that's a goodness that we just don't understand. And we confess our limitations before you. We confess our sins, our insecurities, our sense of inadequacy. And God, we trust you. And when we don't trust, we ask that you would help us. And so as we go forward from here, God, help us in every conversation, in every situation to expect you to show up. May we be an expecting people. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.